Okay, starting in First Peter uh, chapter one, we, we read this these words. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the strangers scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia. Asia and Bithynia. So again, uh, the northern parts of uh, areas around the Mediterranean Sea going up to the Black Sea, which certainly you ought to be familiar with today, mm -hmm. considering that uh, the control of the Black Sea is so important uh, to where they have the war. Ukraine. Yeah, <laughs> the Black Sea is so important to Ukraine and that area. Uh, I saw a special the other night regarding the resources that Russia, you want to know why Russia wants to take Ukraine? It's because pipelines that carry oil and gas that go through that region. And it's very important. Uh, and we are probably looking at, uh, of course, Ukraine itself is uh, produces something like a quarter of all the world's uh, wheat. Uh, and uh, it's very important to us. So I expect in the next six months, that we will be feeling great pressure uh, according to the oil and gas and uh, to the wheat and fertilizers that come out of Ukraine. So that area, and it talks about the the strangers scattered uh, throughout that area. And you should understand that this is written about 60 BC. Uh, so here we are, let's say 30 years from the time of Christ. Uh, and the church was started mainly in Jerusalem. At first, for several years, only Jews uh, in that area around Jerusalem uh, had received Christ. And they weren't really willing to leave. But it turns out that the Lord allowed persecution on those Jews to come, and a lot of them 
left Jerusalem and settled in this area uh, called Asia Minor. And that was the, uh, the ground whereby uh, the apostles did much of their missionary work. Uh, and also where many non-Jews came to know the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, what does Paul say about these people? Uh, he says something that we've seen before, uh, but a particular word comes up for discussion. And verse two says, elect according to the foreknowledge of God, uh, the Father, through sanctification of the Spirit, unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ, grace unto you and peace be multiplied. Now, we might just mention the word election in some study that we do, but we should see what goes with election because People are not just elected to be Christians and then nothing else happens in their Bible, or pardon me, in their lives according to the Bible. Uh, when one is elected, then the Holy Spirit does a whole host of works that uh, have their own, we, we have our own understanding of them, I say they are part of salvation. If one is elected to salvation, certain things will happen. This is why I say, uh, along with the rest of the scripture, that those who are in Christ Jesus continue uh, in that faith, continue believing, and their lives change accordingly. And if they don't continue to believe, if there are no changes in their lives, uh, but they just say, well, I'm elect. Uh, and don't understand what goes with it, nor see the fruit of being brought into God's family, then uh, it's so questionable that they are Christians at all. And I'm afraid that this uh, 
primarily has become the idea, uh, increasingly the idea over the last hundred years that uh, all one has to do is to mouth the words uh, of receiving Jesus Christ uh, and not expecting or seeing other work that, that the Spirit does that are a result, in this case, are a result of the election. Now, election means that they have been chosen beforehand. Election is according to foreknowledge. Election is something that is in the mind of God for all of those who are elect for eternity. It's not something that he chooses during your life to do. It is something that he has planned to do and his works are finished in that way. If they're in the mind of God, they are finished uh, completely from the beginning of the ages. And so we find this saying, elect according to the foreknowledge of God. Well, God knows everything that you are going to do and what is going to happen. He knows about all your sufferings. He knows about your temptation and he knows what you will do. Uh, and he works uh, according to his foreknowledge. Uh, and it says here, particularly, the foreknowledge of God the Father. And so particularly, we find the work of the Father involved in that which he is going to do for each believer. Uh, it doesn't stop there. It says, elect according to the foreknowledge of God. Uh, through sanctification of the spirit. And so another thing that God is going to do when there is election, absolutely, there is going to be a work of sanctification. That is that those who are elect are going to be changed. They're going to turn from their sins. It doesn't mean they won't fail from time to time, but yet the spirit of God is going to be on them uh, and he is going to be changing them from mere natural men uh, to become men of God, women of God. Uh, and he's going to do that by the Spirit. Notice in this passage, 
the foreknowledge is of the Father. The sanctification is a work of the Holy Spirit. And it works unto the obedience. So there is going to be obedience. We are not uh, constrained under the law. But I would say to you that uh, that which is shed abroad in our hearts as far as way, the way we live and what we feel and what we think about, uh, what our hopes and aspirations are. Uh, all work into what God is doing in election, and we become, uh, in general, those who obey uh, the uh, commandments of the Lord Jesus Christ. You can read about that, where Paul, uh, in some places, tells us that these are commandments of Christ. They are not the law. Uh, if we look at 1 John, we find that those who love the Lord Jesus Christ and are elected do obey uh, the work of God in our lives and this passage says there's a sprinkling, so we are covered by the sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. And there you have it. All three members of the Trinity work the Father through election and foreknowledge, the Spirit in sanctification. That is making us to be separate. We are no longer like the world, but we are new creatures in Jesus Christ, according to the sanctification of the spirit. And finally, unto obedience because of the sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ we receive the last words of verse 2, grace unto you, and peace be what? Be multiplied. And so the Lord continues his work until we go to be with him. He continues that work in us and finishes that work when he gives us glorification and we receive the inheritance in the heavenlies that he receives. And so in verse three, Peter says, blessed be the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to to his abundant mercy has begotten 
us again. Now that is referring back to what he said to Nicodemus in John chapter three, when he said, you must be born again. Some people like to put, put it as having a life that has been exchanged. In other words, we exchange our old life for a new life, that new life that it's the new creation where old things are passed away, where all things become new. Uh, and according to his abundant mercy, he has begotten us again unto a living hope because we were dead in trespass and sin before we received the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, and I don't care, the scripture doesn't care that you, you think you have good works, you think you are a good person, you think that God based upon your goodness is going to usher you into his eternal abode. Uh, there is nothing farther from the truth. The Bible says that all of our righteousness, I don't care how much it is, we think it is, is that filthy rags. Uh, when we are, what the word justified means, it, it, it means to be filled uh, and to become the righteousness and to possess the very righteousness that is God's. Nothing more and nothing less. Uh, we can see then that salvation and justification uh, means that we can stand before God with no blemish, no mark, no black spots, because we are justified. And that doesn't mean you always deserve that justification, but that justification comes because you believe. And therefore, the scripture says that he imputes or he counts that to you uh, because you believe. Uh, the first place I remember that being said was in regard to Abraham for salvation was no different in the Old Testament than it is today, regardless of whether or not men were under law or not. The scripture says, Abraham believed God and it was counted unto him for righteousness. Well, what righteousness is it? It is the righteousness of God. For without the righteousness of God, 
none of us will see him. And so God has given to us that which we could not do on our own because we simply have believed. And therefore, he has begotten us again unto a living hope by the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ from the dead. And in case someone would seek to deceive you, I tell you, if Jesus Christ had not raised from the dead and gone into heaven to present his holy sacrifice to the Lord, none of us would be saved. I'm so sorry to tell you that many today in so-called churches, and this is more and more, believe that salvation does not come from God, believe that salvation is not a gift, but believe salvation is in every person and it is but up to them to find the goodness of God in their own heart. There's, that is probably the biggest lie that is being uh, applied to the minds of many foolish and ignorant people, particularly young people who belong to these large mega churches that do not glorify God, but they glorify man. They say, uh, I just heard one this week. They say that you have all that that is required for salvation within you. Uh, nothing could be farther from the truth. The truth is that we have none of the goodness of God. We've all gone away. We have all become unprofitable. Listen to me. There is not one of us except for the power and calling and grace of God. There's not one of us that seeks after God. No, not one. And so at least none of us out. Uh, we are begotten again. We have exchanged lives. Paul in Romans 12 says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you take this light that you've got, which is in the earth, and you lay it on the altar. You receive the transforming power of God. And then you are not 
to be conformed to this world in any way. Think about it. Is there something in this life that you do because of you? It is something that you do because you're good at it or because you receive glory from it. And God will allow no glory to be received except what comes from him, which is all wrapped up in salvation are in the election according to foreknowledge, as we have read. Number four, verse four, in First <laughs> Peter 1, or First Peter, yeah, 1, uh, this is all done to an inheritance. That is what you're going to receive. Now, I don't care uh, if you live 30 years here or 100 years here, there is an inheritance after that. But what does it say about it? That inheritance, number one, is incorruptible. You will no longer have any temptation in that direction. Number two, it's undefiled. It, everything about it pleases God and meets his standard, which is perfection of him. An inheritance that fades, not away. You and I, we think that life lasts a long time here in the earth. You compare that, that a million years from now, 10 million years from now, 10 Googleplex years from now, it will still be the same. It will never fade away. And it is what? It's reserved. It's reserved. You have your place reserved in heaven. And it's for you. It's just yours. God knows where those spots are that are reserved for you. And we are kept, verse 5. We're kept. How? And here's that word again, my friend. See it? We are kept by the power of God. It is not for you or I to will or, or to exert our mind to being like God or to being acceptable to God. We are kept by God if we believe. We are kept by the power of God. You talk about security. You want to talk about eternal security? Then you talk about eternal security by the fact that you are kept by God. 
himself. Through faith. Oh, not through works. Not, not through, through going to church. Not through being involved in prayer meeting. But through faith in what has already been done and finished for you. The work is finished. It's all been done, but it must be done in you. You receive the work of Jesus Christ by faith and by nothing else. You add nothing to that. Uh, and it is ready to be revealed for the glory of God in its last time, wherein you greatly rejoice, though now for a season. Now, how we get, my friends, maybe to the hard part, you think, which says, verse 7, that the trial of your faith being much more precious than God. Well, you say, I'm going through trials. I'm worried about this, or I'm concerned about that. I'm concerned about my health. I'm concerned about people around me. Uh, I'm concerned about circumstances. The word says, this trial of your faith is precious. How precious? It's more precious than fine gold, as if it had been tried to the fire, as it might be found to the praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Christ. What do you think Satan would say if you arrived in heaven having never had a trial in your life, having never overcome? Satan will say what he said to God about Job. He said, Job is only the man that you say he is because you have hedged him about and you have protect him, protected him from all trial. And so God, in order to prove himself, he has the right to do that. God put Job through all kinds of trial. And I would venture to say it's greater than trial that most of us ever will see. His children were lost. His wife was lost. His houses were lost. His lands were lost. And Job wound up on the top of an ash heap with a broken piece of pottery scraping the boils off his legs. But did he give up on God? Even his wife said to him, 
Job, you should curse God and die. Job wouldn't do it. Job didn't curse God. But Job learned through that experience. And it took some time. And lots of his friends had different ideas of why Job was going through those trials. And some of them thought it was because Job had sinned and hidden his sins from them. But it wasn't so. God did it for his namesake. God wants to get and will get glory from the fact that you are faithful even when you are tried. Even if you are tried unto death. Yet God will be faithful because of his glory. It is about God. It's not first about you. You are just included in the goodness that he works. And it says, Though it be tried with fire, that sounds bad enough, that you might be found under praise and honor and glory at the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. I can't forget what Job said, not having a Bible, not having the scripture, but knowing God, Job said, I know pardon me, Job said, I know whom I have believed and I am persuaded that he is able will see him. And even though my eyes, that means I, even though I die and go into the dust of the ground, and my eyes rot out of their sockets, yet I know, I don't think, I don't hope, I don't wonder, I know that I will see him how? With mine own eyes. Job's talking about the resurrection. Job is talking about that which is reserved for him in heaven. He would say, I home having not seen and that by the way my friends is the essence of faith if you see it then it's not faith 
but if you believe it, it is. And so faith is a substance of things hoped for. It's, it's real. My friends, you can't see it, but it's real. Faith is the evidence. What do you do when you go into a court and you want to exonerate yourself? You present evidence. Well, faith is the evidence. That's all. Not what you do. It's what you believe. It's what goes on in your mind and heart. You believe that God will do exactly what he said he would do. So faith is the evidence of things not seen. It is not the things that we see, my friend. This is what makes me angry uh, often when I don't know if they're well-meaning or not. Christians try to make earthly uh, reasons, earthly proof, I should say, for those things that are heavenly. There's no earthly proof for that which is heavenly. That's okay. I don't mind they do it. What do you mean? Well, like archaeology. Okay. Like they dug up the city and they found that David actually did live. I don't need that. Oh. I, it's fine. I already believe. Nobody got saved because of archaeology, my friends. They got saved because they believed. And they believed in that which they couldn't see. And they believed in that which they hoped for. Can I ask a question? Yes. So when you're dealing with when you're dealing with someone who has a loved one that's lost on or off the path or however you want to put it. And I I trust the Lord, I trust the Lord for it. But I hope for the out, an outcome that would bring them back. Yes. Okay. Only you know of the strength of your faith and your hope. If there is faith, hope, you will have what you have asked for. If you do not, then you just leave it in the hands of God. Uh, I guess because, you know, with those kind of situations, you know, God won't defy 
that person's will. No, he you know? won't defy the person's so I I will. But him. on the other hand, he dealt with our will, didn't he? Yes. And he said, it is not up to him that willeth. It is <laughs> not is. up to him that willeth. <laughs> But God, but God, who shows mercy. That's how I would pray. Mm -hmm. Am I not saying we love? And whom now you see him not yet believing, you rejoice with joy and joy. Unspeakable. That's going away. And full of glory. What? What's the end of this, my friends? Receiving the end, which is immediately attached to the continuing. There is a start, there is a continuing, and there is the end. Receiving the end of your faith. So does faith not continue? Yes. Receiving the end of it, even, even, I mean, he says that even in that, that it's almost too much to hope for. But even, there's no limit to it. Even to the salvation of your souls. Thank you, Lord, for this word. Thank you for Peter. Thank you for the many saints that many thousands, millions of saints that we have not known, but yet have proved of. Because that's what you're doing here. You're proving God. May each of us, each day, find that our vocation is simply to prove God. Yes, we may falter, but then we confess. We are restored perfectly, and we prove God. Father, thank you. We trust in you. We trust because you have made salvation to be shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit, which we did not have beforehand. It is something you gave to us. It is all that was necessary for the power 
behind the work that you would do. And so let us not look to ourselves, but let us look to you who is the power and the glory mm -hmm. forever and ever. Mm -hmm. We pray in Jesus' name. Mm -hmm. Amen. Amen. Amen.